and welcome to Geeksware. It's the film and filmmakers podcast for film enthusiasts around the world. We are interested in talking about cult TV, hot topics, reviews, trailers, and even inspiration interviews from IMDb listed filmmakers. If you didn't know already, we're broadcasting this episode on at least 21 different platforms. You can find us also on Radio Public, Luminary, Blueberry, and something called the podcast app. We are now recording live and direct from the Rebel Bank in Walthamstow, East London. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. You are now tuned in to Geek Sweat. Um, I'm your host. Um, I'm your lead host, MKH, and you are now listening to another episode of Hot Topic. This is now episode 91 of Geek Sweat. I am joined today by some lovely co-hosts. Um, the first one being the Rambunctious, is that a word? Rambunctious. Yes. Jamie, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, how are you? Awesome. You, are you sure? Like you, you sound like I'm forcing you to do this. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> good. You don't want to be here. The door's I, there. I, I, I'm good. I'm just cold. Oh, That's, we we all fine. are. We all we all yeah. cold and dead inside. Um, and uh, My secondly, stone cold heart. <laughs> uh, we are joined by uh, TJ. Howdy! Thanks for welcoming me back. Great to see you again, MKH. Okay, like you, you answered all the questions I was and you answered all the questions I was about to, to ask you. You're very um, forward thinking there. I like your I like your your style of um, co-presenting. Um, so as it's already been said and mentioned in the beginning, this is hot topic, and today we're going to be t- and hear me out, guys. I know this is going to sound a bit weird, but I'm going to be leading on the hot topic, which is are East Asians. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I shouldn't laugh. So yeah. <laughs> sorry. Jamie, stop looking at me. East Asians <laughs> is not the so, funny thing here. Yeah, it's not the funny <laughs> thing. <laughs> no, because people already think I'm racist. Are East Asian actors in Hollywood a phase or are they here to stay? The reason I bring this up is because there's been a number of high profile um East Asian actors joining different Hollywood films. Um, The first one that springs to mind is um, Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. Is that one of um, Henry Golden and Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's also a Netflix um, film called um, Always Be My Maybe. Okay. I mean, um, that's got Keanu Reeves in as the love interest. Okay, why do you have to focus as, on as Keanu a, Reeves? As a brief one. Though. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's in it for he's, like he's 10 minutes. Cameo. He's yeah. a cameo. He's a cameo. 10 minutes. Yeah. So you've, you've got, um, oh, I've forgotten their names. Well, oh, bad. yeah, we'll, we'll be able to get their names. But, um, um, yeah, I don't know why Trevor brought a Keanu Reeves. He, he knocked me off kilter, man. Uh, anyway, uh, so it, the point is there's been many... Oh yeah, and the Marvel Universe itself is also bringing in a flurry of East Asian um, actors, which is really, really good and positive. Um, I've just been tuned in to a um, Guardian article, which uh, basically explains it hasn't always been this way, where East Asians have been usually being depicted as very feminine, especially the males. Effeminate. 
effeminate, uh, book smart computer nerds. And the mm. women are seen as sex symbols and also submissive. Can I say something? I saw, I hadn't thought about this until I took a look at the Dark Knight Returns, I think it was. And the only Asian character in that was like the book smart accountant who basically ends up getting, uh, runs off to, um, I think, Hong Kong to get away from Batman. Mm. Then yeah, he gets but- trapped and he kind of folds almost instantaneously under pressure. Because he's in a his pussy. First interview. Yeah. But it's not yeah. like a lead role. We were talking about what heartthrobby kind of lead roles, roles though, aren't we? Rather than like... Yeah, kind of that, like that, that's what's the graduation kind of- to heartthrob roles from that role that I'm telling oh, you about? Oh, right. I, I get thing. what you mean. And yeah. that was another thing about um, East Asian depiction in Hollywood is that they can never be... The heartthrob, they can never be seen as the traditional attractive. I think they tried with Romeo Must Die, Jit Lee and Olivia. No, Aaliyah. they didn't. D- don't you dare say that. <laughs> no, no. J- but what I'm <laughs> saying is, they were supposed to have that chemistry, but it didn't come through. There was no chemistry. Exactly. Um, but Jet Lee can't act; he can only fight. How is he going to play a heartthrob? And you know what's so funny about Romeo Must Die as well? There was a. They actually filmed a scene where they kissed. Yeah, and they, they opted. They, it, they to, took it out. They took they, it out. Yeah, they opted because it was so scene. bad. Yeah, they opted for the scene where they hugged. Was that Jet Li and Alia kissing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. and they opted for where so they hugged. I, I think Romeo Must Die was kind of supposed to be some kind of romantic, um, you know, film. That was well, a it's bad film. Romeo Romeo. Must, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Romeo and Juliet. So you know, but it just didn't work. It didn't work. But I don't think you can but endorse I, any film where a, a rapper has to come in as an actor to endorse a film. Though. Mm, yeah, I think he only worked in a couple of films that Tupac was in, like I think Juice and maybe uh, Poetic Justice. But he was really performing mm. as an actor. Yeah, whereas like but, DMX, it was more of his character. But they tend the to rapper. be extremes, though, don't they? But yeah. and they they tend to be like on the side to the to the actual lead role. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if they're not like kung fu masters and you know martial yeah. arts kind of performers, like, uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. yeah, then, you know, they're the, yeah, they are the geeky guy. Can, can I come side. back to um, so, Always Be My Maybe? Sorry to cut you, but I just want to say Ali Wong and Randall Park are not just the stars of this film, but they're the writers and the producers, which mm. is probably why, why that they're particular in those project roles, yeah. became evolved to what it is, because I don't think it happens if they don't have that creative control. Okay, yeah. I, I have a question. Um, now, we, we, obviously, we're speaking about how Hollywood depicts East Asian uh, characters, whether they're male or female. But is there something to be said about how Chinese cinema and Japanese anime portrays East Asians themselves? Do you think that somehow plays into how the West... Because I tell you what, I, I, I grew up watching a lot of anime and a lot of it was just... Um, big, but especially the animes like big fat Japanese guys that just just banging like like geishas and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm specifically talking about Ninja Scroll. <laughs> <laughs> specifically, yeah, specifically talking about Ninja Scroll. So, is it isn't it something to do with how they see themselves as well? I think in general, I think Asian TV tends to allow their male leads to be emotional characters. I, I, I think I think that's a huge part of it. If you listen, if you kind of watch, um, you know, Korean um, 
TV and things like that, you know, you know, Southeast Asian sitcoms and whatnot, mm. they do t- tend to allow their men to be more emotional and, and you know, in a way, f- effeminate. But um, whether that's kind of why the West have, you know, put them in those roles, I don't know. Um, possibly, maybe. But they're also martial artists as well. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it's, a lot of it's it is their own martial... their own stereotypes. Yeah, really. that's what I'm saying. So like the biggest films to come out of uh, the Far East is um, the biggest actors are like uh, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, and then you got this unbuck guy as well um, from I, I guess he's from Thailand. So it is uh, basically what I'm saying is, was it the chicken or the egg that came first? are these actors doing these big blockbuster martial art films because they know that's the only thing the West takes notice of and then that will bring them over? I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it, yeah. I want to jump in here because there's two things that you said about Chinese films and uh, anime. And the thing is, I think think Hong Kong films have got a bit more of an influence in Western culture than mm. Chinese films. And I'm just going back to a few that I can remember seeing like Kung Fu Hustle, A Better Tomorrow, The Grandmaster, Infernal Affairs, and Old Boy, which is uh, famously remade by Spike Lee, Fist of Fury, going back onto the uh, Bruce Lee days, and uh, Drunken Master, which even has Jackie Chan in it. So I think Hong Kong cinema has a, had a great influence. It's hard for me to say Chinese uh, cinemas filtered into Western culture in the same way. But um, the anime, I think if you look at it in, in terms of anime and manga, I've always seen manga as more like the violent stories uh, behind um, Japanese cinema. So I'm being corrected, old boys Korean. Um, and so, yeah, South Korean cinema and Hong Kong cinema is more influential than Chinese cinema. But um, when it comes to anime, I think the manga side tends to, of animated features, the manga side tends to focus more on the martial arts and that kind of the Eastern like war culture and particularly the history of like particularly Japan in um, uh, a nuclear war, the threat of nuclear war, whereas the anime is kind of like, um, I've always seen it as like a, like a soft romantic side of what... Um, it's still cartoon. What it was like, yeah, it's still cartoon. But there was one film I wanted to bring up, which is called Tokyo Godfathers, which came out in 2003, which is about three male tramps who take on a baby and it's kind of like um, a kind of a Jesus in the... Um, before Christmas story, like the uh, three wise men. And they show their effeminate sides because they're supposed to be three streetwise, um, three streetwise uh, men who end up showing their feminine side to nurture an abandoned child in the Christmas period. So I do think there's that kind of, they're, they're, they're big polar opposites between the masculine uh, samurai or martial arts man and the, the guy who can be effeminate and open up, so to speak. Um, so I guess also what I'm trying to um, ask is when you look at animes, they they don't even look like Japanese people. 
No, that's because it's probably catered for the Western society. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it's, so it's, it's a fetish, so, isn't it? So it, it it's it's kind of a fetish. fetish. It's an aspirational fetish but, as well because it's about showing like how characters would be deemed to look like and essentially a lot of those characters have, are given Western voices in the dubs anyway. So I suppose there's that commercial element of they have to have this kind of westernized look so that they can sell that Overseas. material outside of and distribute it outside of that southeast asian region so basically what i'm trying to get is whether hollywood is doing this to mm. east asian communities or are they doing it to themselves and if they because they got a whole film industry like mm. it's different from the black community in america because they don't have their own film industry and i think the biggest well they had black exploitation and dolomite is um, yeah, like come out now, but it's not the same. I don't, I don't, I don't like. Like I think that the, like even that, just by its name, black exploitation is like they. I don't know whether it's a wink and a nod to what was actually happening in yeah. those films, but um, even the way black people depicted depicted themselves in that was not was not favorable uh, to the culture. Yeah, to the culture. But I'm saying that. So, like you say, Hong Kong has its own film industry. They, they've got their own writers, their own producers, their own directors. So do you they, think they box themselves into a corner? Yeah, exactly. They they have all of the tools to control their own narrative, but still, you'll either go down this road of, oh, I'm I'm a martial artist, I'm flying up walls and shit like that. Yeah, but it's not Hollywood. And I think that's the key. There is is that because they're selling to their their own. That's what, that, that's what they're going to be doing. But if they're wanting to sell to the to the West, mm. you know, I mean, they have to change, but then can they sell those changes? Mm. Because I think, you know, they're viewed in a certain way and anything beyond that stereotype doesn't sell well outside that arena. Um, so that brings me to our next question. So there's been more and more positive roles for um, East Asian actors in Hollywood. Uh, do we think this is going to be a permanent stable or is it just a phase and like in a couple of years we're like, okay, let's move on to, I don't know, um, I don't know, right, I was going to say Middle Eastern, but they're never going to be... You know, it's hard to say because movies. almost like, I just feel like, you know, you know, there have been points in the past 20 years where it's kind of like, oh, another Asian on, on TV or another Asian on film and and then you, they disappear and then you don't see or hear from them again. Whether these current ones will be coming back continuously, I don't know. We'll wait and see. But history has told me that people jump on this diversity bandwagon for a short time and then all of a sudden they, they just kind of like start forgetting about diversity and they stop casting for 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 diversity mm. if you know what i mean yeah do you know what i think there's a there was a film that came out in 2012 called looper a sci-fi traveling film mm. uh, about a hitman who's trying to retire and then he realized the last hit he's got to do is himself and um, there was a scene in it where just before he's supposed to like retire and cap himself off it's about how he spends like the last 20 years of his life and it kind of fast forwards and he goes to, I think he's, I think he does go to Japan. I'm not sure, but he, he goes to Southeast Asia and I feel that 
that idea, because he didn't have to go to that country, he could have gone to Cuba, he could have gone to France, anywhere in the world. And I felt that film was trying to respect, in a sense, the age, the presence of the Asian market and how influential it would be on sales. And I think in that film, you got a large group of East Asian people being in the film, not necessarily doing I mean, the stereotypical things of like martial arts or being um, gangsters, so to speak. And I felt Yakuza. that made them return to it. Yeah, Yakuza. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, there was a, probably a gang level threat, but it was more to do with the the hitman side of things rather than the Yakuza. But I think, I think that film Looper, for me, it kind of showed that there are some American films that are being are trying to be produced with a view of we we have to push this out to an Asian market and appeal to them, and show some respect towards their culture. Is Looper the Bruce Willis film? Uh, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it, and it yeah. was directed by uh, Ryan Johnson, who also did Star Wars. And Star Wars had an East Asian character in it, which was um, I'm trying to remember the martial arts guy, but he was um, he's from Ip Man. Ip Man. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I can see his face now. Um, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is this is the problem. This is the problem when you get old. Mkh. So um, uh, where is he? Chow Yun Fat. Yeah. Now that now you're getting it wrong. Um, oh no. Yeah. This is um, yeah, a bit of casual racism, racism there, uh, um, what, Jamie. Yeah. What was this? Donnie Yen. Sorry, oh, Donnie Yen. So yeah. Donnie Yen, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. is like one of the most skilled martial artists. But he's also one of the very film. popular Hong Kong actors as well. Yeah, and he's so. Been, all, all that's happened there is he's broken out of the Hong Kong market into the Hollywood yeah. market. Yeah, yeah. But even then, like he hasn't made it that big, really, when you think about it. Well, the thing is, I think Star Wars is always going to be bigger than Donnie Yen. I don't think he was going to come in like... I mean, even Samuel Jackson's kind of been absorbed in the behemoth that Star Wars. But I think Donnie Yen's um, filmography, he's like a man to be respected. I think, okay, he's not Bruce Lee, but he's very close to being a Bruce Lee in terms of not just doing martial arts but being respected for some his acting performance as well and my favourite film of his is Flashpoint by the way I mean you've got to watch that film because there's like a mad on the foot chase scene that goes through buildings and streets which is like amazing and the opening of the film is great as well I, I really like it man one um, okay so I, I'm not sure where to... Where we're going. Well... Did you mention this other guy? Because there's a guy called um, Hayden Zito who's in something called The Edge of 17. I haven't seen that film. No, no it looks like a romantic film. like film. a young film. Edge sounds of like a teenage romance Sounds like something thing. Prince Andrew would really be into. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> All these Prince Andrew jokes here rolling into 2020. It's yeah. like they're, they're going <laughs> to catch up on him, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no... I, I mean, do you do you, are you say do you feel that we're gonna see a downturn of roles for East Asian lead men in 2020? That's what I was gonna actually say. Like, if these roles disappeared, would would there be uproar? I think there won't be uproar from the black community. I no, that's that. what I'm saying because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the difference between the black community because the black community doesn't has its has its own cinema industry. Like, mm. at, at the end of the day. Everything that's been produced in the black community is peddled. Do you know what? The black there is a black 
sin- there are black films being made in the industry, but there's not that routine of black people traditionally going to the cinema. I mean, it took a couple of years to get the Black Panther thing going. But if you look at something like um, Fences, I don't think as many people turned up for that. And they, you've got like award-winning actors in that, that as well. And mm. I think that comes from black people, especially in America, not having a distinct culture from mm. the rest of America, like East Asian, um, like Hong Kong. Or like a theatrical culture. Yeah, perhaps. exactly. Like Hong Kong, they have this rich culture of... of Martial art. I don't know what I was going to say. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something like that. They got a rich culture, whatever that rich culture is. Sorry, I don't know at the moment. I'm being very ignorant. But um, yeah, so if if that was to disappear, would people, would there be an uproar or people say, oh, well, I can still go and watch authentic Chinese films from Hong Kong or... I think you'd get more uproar from people who are born and raised in, in the West, yeah. because, for example, m- myself, born and raised in Western society, mm. I don't have much in the way of representation on film and TV. So for me to finally see some more Asian face- faces on the screen, mm. for me, is a big thing. Mm. So, yeah, it, I for me, it would be really sad if it stopped. But I also realised that things like um, Always Be My Baby, that was written and produced by the two leads. So in a way, it's almost like we have to create our own opportunities mm. because no one else is going to take us seriously or pick up you know, our stories. Um, but on top of that also, it's like, well, if a role has no, um, no specific ethnicity mm why can't we be considered for those roles, mm. you know? Um, so it, it's more about diversity in terms of, you know, does this character have to be a white person? That's what it comes down to, you know? Um, and, and that's where, um, that's where we, we come to um, colourblind casting. I will say, if it's set in World War One, it has to be a white person. Yeah. Sorry. Go on, go on TJ. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, but, well, if you're talking about historical, but if you're talking about... <laughs> no, that's you a know, joke. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't actually believe yeah. that, but when you watch films from that period, it uh, is. I, I want to go back again in time to... But um, there are stories in World War One that will... Blow your mind. ...will need yeah. um, Asian pages. Yeah, you yeah. need Pearl Harbor, the Rape other of side. Rape of Nanking. Have you heard about the Rape of Nanking? No. When the Japanese basically slaughtered an entire city in China... Oh, no, Japanese were, uh, forgive my language, they were absolutely savage in the Far East. You can ask any Korean, ask any Chinese yeah, person. Yeah. They are they, they, Relations they the Nazis of that region, sorry to say. So. Um, well, okay, I'll, I'll probably say something about a, a war film uh, before I was going to come on to my other point. Um, Clint Eastwood, I think he made two films. Um, I think one of them was... Uh, Oh, sorry, Sands of Iwo Jima. And um, it was kind of the reverse story of um, another, yeah, Flags of Our Fathers and um, Sands of Iwo Jima. And basically he did the American story of um, something happened in the Second World War. I think it was a fight or conflict that happened around the Pacific Ocean. And then he told the story again from the Japanese soldiers on the same side at the same time. So it was almost like an expanded universe where you actually get to see the characters from each film cross over in conflict. And I felt that was very interesting that he gave um, uh, the Southeast Asian 
community, their chance to be represented in a film rather than just being purely the enemy. Um, another thing, film that I was also um, interested in is the reception for Infernal Affairs in 2002 because I thought that was an exceptional gangland police thriller because it's about an undercover cop who has to work in uh, for a gang boss whilst the gang boss comes up with the idea of getting an undercover criminal to work in the police. And that was like a really great film. I think Andy Lau was in it. A lot of good story in that. It wasn't predominantly based on martial arts. It was really pure, purely about the acting. But then when it became The Departed with uh, Martin Scorsese and an all-white cast, um, I think it was lauded a bit too much. And I felt, I felt Infernal Affairs was a much better film than The Departed. Sorry about that. But it's like, um, I just felt that people recognised the story as being a, a better story, mainly because it had an all white cast. When I think when you had an all East Asian cast telling almost exactly the same story, because that's where it was adapted from, people were prepared to overlook it, which is a problem that I think people are moving away from now. But was it 17 years ago? It was like a real smack in the face to see that. Well, also the, the Departed was a Martin Scorsese film. So I think that, that always... Uh, receives a different reception no matter what he does. Yeah, I think um, he's the most nominated uh, best director uh, at the Oscars without actually ever ever having won it, I think. Yeah, he's a funny old character, old <laughs> Martin. Um, okay, I've got two more questions for you guys. And I'd, I would um, like a quite a relatively short answer. Um, uh, h- how do we feel about the representation of East Asian people at the moment? And... Um, would we like more representation if it's... Would I like more representation? Yes. Um, in terms of your first question, there's always room for improvement. Cool. Um, I'll be honest. I, I'm i happy to see a lot of Asian actors in a lot of films. I've got a problem with it. I'd say John Cho um, is one of my favourite actors because it's nice to see him scale some of the low budget films that he's been in, particularly like the weed smoking film comedies to go all the way up to Star Trek. And now he's leading in his own film. Uh, I think he was in something called searching last year. So you're getting to see a range rather than it's the same actor going into the same roles, a little bit like the guy who was in, um, uh hangover one two and three and um and uh what's this other thing called community I'm what, trying what's to, his name what, 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 what's that guy's name uh john cho is john the cho. guy who is in uh um, harold and kumar Har- harold and kumar that's right uh, what did we think of jamie what did you think of harold and kumar I i'm thinking about ken jong that was it so ken jong sorry to cut across ken jong the comedian i feel like he's a good comedian but he's been stereotyped in the roles and he knows it with a nod and a wink but John Cho, I think if you look at his career trajectory, he's managed to play a lot of different roles. Yeah, no, no, Ken, Ken's played up to it. Like, he, yeah. he used to be a doctor and a lot of yeah, his stand-ups yeah, yeah. like, really like, eh, look at me, like that type of stuff. I don't know why I just did that, I really squinted. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, uh, what did you think of Harold and Kuma? Have you seen it? I've never actually seen it, no. Oh, don't. I think it does. It doesn't do 
Asians any just or any yeah. Asians like that's the whole of I, Asia it does you, shits on the whole of Asia and that's probably why I haven't seen it because I don't <laughs> tend to see things unless Harold and you know, Kuma people kind of like say you should see it <laughs> Kuma <laughs> I like that <laughs> sorry um, but yeah now it shows his growth yeah. from, from being a nerdy little oh I can't talk to her because she's a girl <laughs> yeah. that type of shit yeah, and yeah. now he's like the lead like where he's chiseled he's like I'm gonna bust some fucking skulls around here I yeah, like but that I've never he been... sat in the captain's chair yeah, yeah. on, a, I, I, on I the love, Enterprise I've never been interested in seeing you know Asian males in pathetic roles mm. you're not interested in seeing it in yeah. you know Asians in pathetic roles yeah Oh, yeah, no. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if Harold and Kuma is one of those, then, yeah, I probably didn't see it because yeah. I probably would have seen, a you know, a trailer for it and thought, fuck this, no, thank you. Yeah. Do you know what I feel as well? I feel that... But what I like about this is, this is, I mean, he's always had a career before this, but this was, like, his first major lead. Mm. And to go up from that, it shows, at least in his career path, that... If you're East Asian, you, you don't get stuck in the same typecast roles because you do get an opportunity. You probably worked a lot harder to get there, though, Possibly, as well. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I blame for all of this, actually, uh, Bruce Lee. I think his film had his films had so much testosterone running through them. I think I think Hollywood said, OK, we need to put Asian men in basically dresses just to detoxify all that masculinity that um, Bruce Lee was showing. And that's why we, we, we came to um, see Howard and Kumar today. I mean, that's possible, you know, because um, Chuck Norris was like the, the big star of um, American action films and martial arts in the 70s. And he had a face-off film with Bruce Lee. And I mean, he got his ass kicked. And I think it was kind of common knowledge that people would have expected Chuck Norris to get beaten up by Bruce Lee in real life because he was Bruce Lee was teaching a lot of actors like Steve McQueen martial arts as well. Well, actually, Chuck Norris said that um, he doesn't... Basically, he was given a wink and a nog that he beat up Bruce Lee. He said, oh, I'll never say. But obviously, yeah, yeah. If, if you never happened, you'd just say it never happened. But if, the fact you say, yeah, I'll never say, means that you think you beat up Bruce Lee. And it's easy to say that another guy's dead. I think that's probably the only time you can actually say that about Bruce Lee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, that's, that's fine. I think um, we, we, we covered... Uh, majority of of the bases um i'm quite happy with that discussion i hope um everyone listening found it fruitful i hope um i, I um didn't offend too many people <laughs> i hope i didn't f- offend the whole continent that's that's that's, that's, that's my, my 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 one goal for that episode um now that brings us to the end of the episode i just wanted to say thank you to uh jamie for being here Hey, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Again, sounds like I'm forcing you to say bye now. Uh, thank you to uh, Trevor for also um, assisting in the ones and twos. Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, discuss this subject. It sounds like very topical. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to other actors like BD Wong, Daniel Day Kim, Aziz Ansari and Constance Wu. Because they're great performers as well. Uh, everyone except for Aziz Azari. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for uh, to Neo Geo for um, doing the recording. Woo! And that is a thank you from me, MKH. You've been listening to episode 91 of the Geek Sweat podcast. And uh, this has been a hot topic. Hopefully, you found it scorching. Um, <laughs> we'll see you very soon. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>